we doing again? <laughs> it's been so long. I mean, we gotta, we gotta get ourselves back in the groove. Honest to God, of all the episodes we've ever like gaps between episodes we've ever had, this has felt the long. Has this been the longest? Um, like, it might like... be the longest. It certainly has felt the longest. I think because it was the most accidental. Yes. Um, uh, we've been trying at this episode since <laughs> middle of last month. Or, yeah, so yeah. since our last episode, which I don't even remember what that was. Was it VHS? Oh, was, was it? The it? Halloween? I think it was a Halloween oh one, my yeah. God. Was it VHS? Way. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So, no wonder we for- both forgot that. <laughs> so we have VHS. Yes. Uh, you did a thing. Uh, it doesn't really, I guess it's not that big of a deal, but you, you did get married. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got married. I totally didn't cry a few times. <laughs> Then you went to New York uh-huh. for your honeymoon. Be- lovely pictures. Yes. Um, I was in the heat of festival season and getting mm-hmm. out of festival season. And then when you got back, uh, while you're getting back into the swing of things, we kind of talked about when we wanted this episode to originally come out. And when I looked at, <laughs> right, when I looked at the schedule, <laughs> it said November 18th at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you know, at, you know, at the most. At, at the most, yes. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Because I think if I recall what happened was Thanksgiving weekend, or that whole week of Thanksgiving, we wanted to do it that Monday, but yeah. due to just kind of like, you know, scheduling stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, different to get back holiday in, schedules and things. Yeah, trying to get back into the swing of things, uh, we decided to push it back. To a go, week. Yeah, a week. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, that's fine. We both have Mondays off still. It'll be okay. We'll do this. We'll do that. Even though we record live. Yeah. And just, you know. We had a day off that was similar, so we're like, we can do that the next time. And then, a little thing unfortunately happened to you that's not fun. (laughs) You got COVID. Yes. And so, that became another time, which again, our health above all, as much as we love doing this podcast, of course, I was not going to. (laughs) I was never going to suggest, oh, maybe we should do it from afar and we have a plexiglass yeah, we'll do between it you and me. Two soup cans with a string in between us. I guess if we ever want to try to do Zoom, if that ever happens to one of you, yeah, we can always option. do that. Yeah, yeah. But So we pushed it back again. And now we're to today when, as I was trying to prep for this episode <laughs> to get ready, putting everything together tech wise, um, we recorded in my basement. And my basement had a pretty decent leak that had a huge puddle of water not too far from where we are right now. Thankfully, it's not like huge water leaks coming down. As soon as we found out the problem, took care of it. Now I can't even hear any little drips, thank God. (laughs) But at the time when this happened, there was almost a part of me where my heart skipped and went, Oh fuck, am I going to ask him to push it back again? (laughs) And then I went, no. This is this good. This is doable. We can't keep pushing this back. <laughs> yeah, we're now in December, and the trilogy we are talking about today has no fucking tie to anything. <laughs> Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, fucking no. has nothing to do with anything December related. Not at all. We originally <laughs> picked this trilogy, and as a way to not only talk about just you know a different kind of trilogy we thought would be interesting, as well as tie into a recent release which was Godzilla Minus One. Yes. And we've already fucking seen that show. Because <laughs> our plan was like, oh, we'll see these, and then we'll kind of talk about what we're excited about with Minus One. Right, right. Now we've both fucking seen it. Yes. <laughs> and now it's funny because now there's like, now that I've seen Minus One, there's like genuine ties, like both like cast and crew to fucking Shin Godzilla. Yeah, true. And the other Shin films. But yeah, here we are. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Logan Sohan. And I'm Andy Carr. And in case you forgot, this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies, we take a trio of films, whether tied by numerical order, thematic elements, cast and crew, etc. We go through each film and discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. Ugh, get that out of the way. <laughs> and today, we are talking about Hideaki Anno's Shin Trilogy. Now, to be initially in honor of Godzilla Minus yes. One... We wanted to talk about a trilogy that brought us, before Minus One, the one of the best Godzilla films we had gotten in a long time, mm-hmm. as well as two other films that are tied to popular Japanese franchises that have been around for both, all three of these have been around for 50 plus years. Godzilla's going to be 70 next year. Yeah. Uh, Kamen Rider, I believe, is 50 plus years old. Yeah, I think yeah Ultram- it's just over 50. Yeah, I think Ultraman's about to hit 60. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so I think nice it was 66. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in case you haven't noticed what we're talking about today, it is going to be 2016's Shin Godzilla, 2022's Shin Ultraman, and 2023's, wait for it, Shin Kamen Rider. We are going to be talking about a prolific animator, like animation creator, in terms of the creator of Neon Genesis Evangelions. Yeah. You know, stint into live action with his Godzilla film. His production with the Shin Ultraman film with one of his longtime producers directing Shin Ultraman, as well as his kind of swan song to the trilogy with a common writer reupdate. And to clarify, these are basically three films that are basically because Shin in Japanese is new. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind, kind of. of I think that's what it's kind of meant to signify here. It yes. kind of sometimes is like kind of reborn or birth mm-hmm. or something. Um, but yeah, I think the intent is that it signifies a new version of yes. these. So basically these three films are, yeah, a creator's take on three popular Japanese franchises in a modern era. Yeah. Three, yeah, three that are three franchises that are more than half a century old. Almost yeah. for a lot of these. Basically, Looking at them, reevaluating them, and seeing what still works, what needs to be changed, and ultimately taking the legacy into, um, in like taking the legacy into the, the ether and trying to figure out what needs to stay, mm-hmm. what do you want to adapt into a single film, and what do you kind of use to kind of be the catalyst for more of a conversation of like a modern day version of these three franchises. Right. And kind of, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about, uh, I mean, Anno has been making things in the animation world since, like, the 80s. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so this is kind of his, um, he's just, like, a fanboy of these three properties. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and so this is kind of his, in three different parts, in three different stories, his, like, send all tribute to like the tokusatsu genre pretty much yeah Yeah, it's basically yeah it's it's a man who is already at this point kind of having difficulty creatively as well as kind of energy passion wise finishing off his rebuild evangelion series basically finding an opportunity to take three franchises that he's a huge nerd about Mm -hmm. and playing in those sandboxes for the time being right and yeah. you, you and I are both huge Evangelion fans. Yes. I mean, I think fairly recently for both of us in the last couple of years. I, I wasn't when I first saw Shin Godzilla initially. Yeah. I saw this in college. Uh-huh. And when I saw the film, it wasn't until I saw 
his name at the end that it perked up and was like, oh, that's why that's this film is exactly <laughs> why it is. Yeah. And then later I watched Evangelion, and then this was the first time watching Shin since I had seen that. Yeah. Um, Ultraman is is like a little bit for me. I watch it a little bit, kind of randomly here and there. Yeah, I remember seeing little bits of it on I don't know if it was like Jetix or something. Some Probably. some channel yeah. I watched as a kid. I would see various you know episodes of like the whatever the '90s and 2000s series were of Ultraman. Probably Tiga. Yeah, that's the that's the same thing. That's the crazy thing about this is that I because I think of classic Ultraman. Oh, you've seen like, like a, old old Ultraman. Yes, because I had a I got at one point I got access to a bootleg of Ultraman as a kid <laughs> and watched a decent chunk of it. I think that I think there's like four discs. I watched like a good chunk of the first disc. It was like almost like I would put it on the background as white noise to sleep. Uh-huh. So a lot of those episodes are just kind of in my subconscious. <laughs> but Common uh, Rider. No tie. Yeah, neither other, of us other, really had any exposure. Other than the fact that like it is somewhat similar to Power Rangers, but also considered darker. Yeah. To, like, Sentai and Power Rangers, the American version. Of right, that. right. They even tried to bring Kamen Rider over in the States. Because mm-hmm. it's just, in, in English, it's Masked Rider. Yeah. So, of course, they just called it Masked Rider. And <laughs> it flopped. <laughs> yeah. Hilariously. And, we, <laughs> dude, Kamen, Kamen Rider, was that like a precursor to super sentai it's around the same time same time i think it is given the it's like the progenitor of the reboom of tokusatsu and around the time that super sentai when that starts i think is uh, there's barely any time i think between when common rider starts and that um for those i guess unfamiliar the tokusatsu the word we keep saying the genre that kind of all of these belong to is like a popular uh genre of mostly tv in but also films in japan that's been around for eight, 70, 80 years now yeah it's... kind of started with the kaiju stuff like godzilla and, mm-hmm. and all those um but really it's just kind of about you know it's kind of heroes and villains stories with a lot of practical effects and elaborate mm-hmm. costumes and uh you know scale models of buildings getting kicked over in wrestling matches and things yeah. like that and so all three of these properties are kind of tied in that way in the sense that they're rooted in that kind of broad genre group and yeah. it's probably all stuff i mean i'm i would guess that Anno grew up watching all three of these oh, all yeah. the time these three films basically feel like a japanese child's just dream yeah being able to play in the playgrounds of three iconic franchises in very different ways right because godzilla is i think it's hilarious to think of the three of these godzilla stands out as like the black sheep mainly because of its origins compared to mm-hmm. Ultraman and Kamen Rider. Cause again, at this point when Shin Godzilla comes out Godzilla is about, I think a decade uh, disconnected from his last era. Right. Cause his last era is the millennium era, which in the two thousands Godzilla, basically after the American Roland Emmerich Godzilla film, basically, yeah. You know, tainted the Godzilla brand in Toho's head. Toho goes, we can't let this be the last thing Godzilla-related yeah. content. Roland sees. Emmerich, that uh, douchebag gutter slime dog crap puke chunk. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, because of that, from 1999 to 2004, there were a, basically a new Godzilla film every year. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where in 2004, Godzilla Final Wars is 
I think the most critically panned of that era of the last like 20 years, as well as the one Godzilla film that didn't make its budget back. Oh, yeah. It was the highest budget at the time for Godzilla film, which was 20 million, <laughs> and I think it made eight. Yikes! And it's an original. It's first weekend, and so ultimately after that, Godzilla goes into cryo sleep. Yeah. There is into hibernation. There is yeah. There is not a lot of Godzilla in between. Uh, in between Final Wars and Shin Godzilla, unless you count American adaptations. Right. Because another thing about Shin Godzilla that is fascinating is it also feels like not only is it a reference to it's been 60 years, you know, we're trying to bring back Godzilla into a new modern sense. It also, instead of following the atomic bomb, the atomic bomb drops in World War II is like the catalyst for the creation of Godzilla and man's own hubris leading to the creation of the king of the monsters yeah. is in fact the japanese earthquakes and tsunamis in mm. the 2010s and then ultimately there's also the fact that while this is all happening and they're trying to, to change how godzilla is in the public eye legendary makes an american adaptation of godzilla right. that is now still ongoing in fact as of next year there will have been five American Godzilla films in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's notable because Toho has been kind of notoriously uh, uh, precious with oh, the Godzilla absolutely. property. Not, yeah. Certainly not in the amount of Godzilla stuff they put out, but in, in how they lend it to no, others. No, for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, they, they had done the Emmerich one, but that went mm-hmm. so poorly Yes. Um, yes. Honestly, I'm I'm still kind of surprised that the legendary thing happened. Oh yeah. Um, and is well, and is still going. <laughs> well, because yeah, well, it's very clear too. It's it's also one of the reasons why Toho is very stingy with Godzilla villains now. Right. Because it's like you know they hold on to it because now they're making Japanese Godzilla films again. Right. They're a little bit stingier with certain characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they don't want Minya. They don't want a Godzilla Junior. Ah. Which is just you know cowards. Let them try. But. Godzilla Jr. feels like the perfect kind of thing for the direction the legendary MonsterVerse has taken Well, based I mean, on the, the newest trailer yeah, yeah, of Godzilla x I was going to say, to derail a little bit, basically what has happened in that space is instead of doing classic Godzilla villains every film, basically every legendary film has almost been like, nah, fuck it, we're going to give Kong a kid. Yeah. Because that's basically what the new... Because, again, another thing about this pu- episode being pushed back so fucking long, <laughs> we not only got a great Godzilla film that we both saw, yeah. there's also a trailer for the new... The new American, American Godzilla, film. Yeah. which looks batshit, yeah. insane, goofy on all fronts, and I'm 100% down for it. But it's just to think, in the span of seven years, it went from... You know, the first Japanese Godzilla film in a very long time in 2016 with Shin mm-hmm. to a fucking animated trilogy, three Godzilla, it'll be three Godzilla films, yeah. American American production Godzilla films. There's two to th- like a, a Godzilla show that is even more batshit than I think anything the films have done. It's such oh, like a the, weird the an- the singular s- point. Yeah. Weird ass show. It's <laughs> it's it's beautifully animated, but it's a bonkers fucking show. Yeah. And it just goes from like the fact there was such a drought of Japanese Godzilla content and you ultimately get to Shin basically reigniting that flame because right. holy fuck is Shin Godzilla good. Yeah. It is it is in my opinion 
of the 33 as of this year, maybe next year, I think. Yeah, because 33 Japanese films as of this year, including minus one. Of the 33 Godzilla films we've gotten out of Japan, it is my second favorite Godzilla film. Oh, okay. Like, hands yeah. down. Yeah. I, I think out of all the Godzilla films I've personally seen, because, again, I haven't seen all of them. I'm right. currently in the Hesai era, the 80s, 90s era, kind of going through that yeah. with our friend Adam. Have you seen Have you seen 15, 20, like, numbers of movies? Oh, I, over a dozen, At this right? point now, because I've watched all the Showa era, and I think that's 13. Oh, okay. And then I've seen a couple of the Millennium era already. I've seen Final Wars. I've seen 2000. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's around probably okay. halfway. Okay. But yeah, I mean, out of all the ones I've seen and the ones that people talk about in terms of like the best ones you should definitely watch. Yeah. I mean, considering that the original Godzilla is still the best Godzilla in every way, <laughs> like that film, in my opinion, is goddamn perfect, even 70, almost 70 years later. Yeah. Shin basically feels like Shin is so good that I genuinely believe the only reason why we have a minus one is because they f- Toho felt so scared as to even try a Shin Godzilla 2. Even yeah. with an Ano, I feel like even Ano would probably be a little hesitant. Right, right. Because Shin is ultimately a film that stands on its own, re-establishing Godzilla as a force of nature during the aftermath of the Japanese earthquakes and tsunamis. Mm-hmm. And ultimately is... The scariest he had ever been at that point. Yeah. The weirdest he had ever been. The His physiology is just... God, he has like four different forms in this film. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's this like just lumbering beast of like mutation and yes. deformation. He honestly walks... I didn't even think about this like right now. He walks like baby Godzilla, which is this goofy-eyed like yellow-orange... <laughs> weird goldfish looking thing yeah he kind of walks like a, a dog or a cat when they don't have their front legs oh yeah they like adapt yeah like he kind of disabled just, cat yeah like it's he he kind of walks like someone who has to balance his upper body to make sure he doesn't drag on the floor yeah and it because he's like he doesn't have any arms at that point and before we get even deeper just to clarify in terms of the story for shin godzilla the story is Godzilla attacks, the government doesn't know how to stop him. Yeah. And the whole film is basically the government trying to deal with the tragedy and the destruction and ultimately the solution yeah. for the King of the Monsters return. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a re, reinterpretation of the yes. original Godzilla myth, but they kind of focus on different things Oh my God, thematically. do they? I mean, God. obviously there's there's no, parallels, sure. but it's... Absolutely. Yeah, it, this one, I think the first Godzilla is a little bit more like... Um, yes, it's allegorical for, for the war and the after effects of the war and the, the atomic bomb and that sort of thing. But also, um, it's kind of more of a, a melodrama about these few specific, um, people involved in the, yes. in the situation. Whereas Shin is more like, let's watch these bureaucrats just like screw this all up. <laughs> yeah. Because a big part of that original Godzilla is it's like the main three that I think of excluding like one of the old like Japanese greats who is his name I'm gonna butcher the shit out of it, but he was in Seven Samurai. Oh yeah. He's also shows up in Godzilla Raids again as a completely <laughs> different character. Yeah. But basically in that original film, yeah, the most iconic, like known human out of all of them is the doctor. Yeah. Because he creates Yeah, Sarazawa because he creates the oxygen destroyer and yes. ultimately goes down with Godzilla. <laughs> well as in this one, it, it it's almost like Anno is understands that like when it comes to a human narrative in Godzilla, it can be good, 
but it also can work with just an ensemble with little spurts of, you know, individuality here and there, depending yeah. on the characters. Yeah. Because we technically have a lead in right. Shin. He's basically this kind of plucky... Kind of an up-and-coming yes. official. Uh, yeah, sick of sick of the Japanese boomers that are still in <laughs> government, yeah. not knowing what to do, and he has like... He has a mentor that basically is telling him to play the game, and he ultimately doesn't want to do that, but finds a way to basically play the game as well as get his own team together to figure out how to take on Godzilla. Yeah. But ultimately, what's fascinating about this interpretation of Godzilla, because not only does it do what the original does in terms of takes a national tragedy for Japan and uses it as a catalyst for discussing the hubris in terms of you know, the, the inadequacies of government, how we handle a tragedy like that, mm-hmm. kind of the differences between how the government sees a tragedy versus how people on the ground see a tragedy. Yeah. But at the time that they're doing, Otto's doing that and trying to use the original in a modern sense, he also goes a bit further in a way no one really expects, which is, yeah, let's also talk about evolutionarily how Godzilla is frightening. Yeah. Not just how he looks, not just how he, you know, destroys as many pagodas he can see fit with his eyes or just like hits as many buildings as possible, but just how in an evolutionary sense, if we just let this guy live long enough, what will he ultimately become? Yeah. Which is nothing honestly, I don't think any of the Godzilla series have really done except for maybe the Hesai era at some point I knows goes to like a Godzilla is becoming its own nuclear reactor times 10. Right, right. Like, it has, like, this red-hot kind of look to him at a certain point in the back end. But, like, this is the first time Shin Godzilla ends... Literally, the film ends on one of the wildest interpretations of what Godzilla could become. Yeah. That I think I have never not thought about that in terms of, like, I don't know if I ever want to see that. Right. But I would... I would kind of like that if they wanted to touch yeah, on it. It's yeah, like, it's. I mean, it's it's like a cliffhanger ending that doesn't require follow up, no, but no. invites it, and oh, it's yeah. kind of it invites that sort of that ideation and the wondering. And yeah, that is one of the most fascinating things about this movie is how it deals with kind of the the terror of the unknown in Godzilla, which is something that, and I haven't seen nearly as many Godzilla films as you have, but. Um, something I had never really seen dealt with in like a real tangible way in another Godzilla film was like, yeah, because we don't understand how Godzilla came to be and we don't understand how he is Mm -hmm. what he is. We also have no idea the horror that he could like become or, or reap upon us. Um, And that's kind of just the whole MO of this version of Godzilla is just showing just how horrific it could be it's like cosmic Mm -hmm. horror well it's also like shin discusses a conversation that they never would have talked about in 1954 because it was so there wasn't even a decade between the end of world war ii and that film but that is the possibility of if this monster is un is this is like is invulnerable it's invincible Mm -hmm. do we use an atomic bomb just to save ourselves right after the tragedy in like tragic history we have with those horrific weapons yeah because that's the big ticking time bomb literally in shin godzilla's finale is basically our peppy up-and-comers who are basically making a godzilla squad 
trying to stop Godzilla in a non-atomic bomb fashion because the government is genuinely so hopeless. Yeah. Has no idea what to do other than to ask, like, the Americans and possibly the Russians, like, <laughs> let's get a bomb over here. Right. So that is, again, I'm, there's not much I want to spoil with Shin Godzilla because it's one of those situations where it's like, yeah. again, it's very straightforward. It really is you have to see it to believe it in terms of, like, in terms of its premise, it's a Godzilla film. Yeah. Uh, on the surface, it doesn't seem like it's doing much crazy shit until you watch it. And especially if you're an Evangelion fan, you watch that and you go, oh, I know exactly who this man is. I've <laughs> seen this plenty of times in animated format. Yeah. These types of moments. And ultimately, I mean, Shin is the type of film that I feel like every studio, you know, every studio when they want a franchise they should want to have a film like this where it's like either too impossible in their <coughs> minds to make a sequel or if they do make a sequel it's not you know it's not rushed together yeah because even then i think toho going the outlet of basically being like we're not doing a shin godzilla 2 but we're going to do this different type of godzilla with uh, minus 1 even minus 1 seems to have a lot of the sensibilities that Shin does in terms of discussing Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go as far as Shin does in terms of discussing what Godzilla is evolutionary like evolutionarily how what could he be if we let him live in the sea for longer than this. Yeah. Ultimately it is it is just enough of a taste of it that you're just like I want sequels of this because <laughs> it seems like minus 1 is built with sequels in mind well as Shin yeah. Shin could get one. But all three of these films, by the end of it, you kind of feel like they're good on themselves. And I bet Ando was just kind of like, I'm going to do this one, mm-hmm. and I'm done with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. I'll do this with Ultraman, I'm done. I'll do this with Kamen Rider, I'm done. Yeah, put and, his stamp on it and move on to the next one. Which thing. he does. I think yeah. all three of these films clearly have his stamp. Even even Ultraman, where he technically is not the director. Right. You got his stamp in the writing, because yeah. he did help with the script in that one and also produced it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, even with Shin Godzilla being what, eight years, seven years old it'll, now, it'll be eight next year. Eight, eight, almost eight years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normally we don't, unless it's a very new release, we we don't usually shy away from spoilers. But I feel like Shin benefits from having very little idea of what, oh, yeah. what's coming. Um, yeah. And so, I, and more than either of the other two in this trilogy, I, I would recommend anybody see shin godzilla um even if it's if kaiju stuff or godzilla is not your thing like i think this will not necessarily appeal to everyone but you'll walk away thinking about it (laughs) no i mean there's there's a reason why this one it's the most acclaimed for sure oh for sure i mean i think it won japan's version of the oscars their best picture of the year basically yeah yeah which imagine being toho sitting there with like a smile on their face also being like how the (laughs) fuck we're gonna yeah how do we beat this (laughs) but they're also like we're so back oh absolutely And um, then didn't make another Godzilla film for, for seven years. <laughs> well, unless yeah, unless you count the animated ones that right. I've yet to see. Yeah. But I remember fans not being too fond. Yeah, of I've those. not heard great things. Because I know Godzilla's like as big as like a planet almost at times. Yeah. He's, he's like he's huge in those mm-hmm. films. But uh, I mean yeah, there's a reason why the original Godzilla and this one are on my top two because genuinely like, as much as I endure most of the sequels I've seen and really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. The best Godzilla films I've seen are the ones that stand on their own, mm-hmm. where you can watch a Godzilla film like these and be like, now I understand why there are 
30 films. What there's sequels to this. There's cuz yeah. like it's just fun to not only play in that playground but also the just the ramifications of using that creature and talking about how that could affect a nation. Yeah. As well as just yeah, as well as being able to watch something like Shin and be like, "Holy shit, they're really focusing on not only Godzilla, but just the aftermath of everything." Mm-hmm. And really having some weight and grounding this creature as best as they possibly can without it feeling too sci-fi. Yeah. Which is which is a feat for Godzilla because at one point they just went, fuck it, he's in space now. We're going to fly him in space. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, I think af- pretty much after the first film there was kind of a fuck it. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I, I don't. You haven't seen Godzilla Raids again, have you? I have not. It was the funniest thing. So Because I have the Criterion Collection of the Showa era, which is fucking gorgeous. It was worth every penny. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't even remember if I bought it for myself or it was a gift. Regardless, if it was a gift, thank you, because it was worth every penny. <laughs> uh, ultimately, watching the original film, you know, both Adam and I were just like, this is incredible. Like, I'm getting chills at scenes that happen. Like, this is from 1954, and right. the film is giving me chills. And it's a dude in a rubber suit. Yeah. Like, and it's black and white, and it's fucking killing it. We go into Godzilla Raids again, and I'm like, I just don't know how they're going to describe like how Godzilla comes back mm-hmm. because in that first film spoiler alert for a 70 nearly 70 year old <laughs> film he gets killed by the oxygen destroyer yeah because not only does the, the government has no idea how to stop it other than the creator of the oxygen destroyer to be like I will kill it but also if I kill myself to make sure no one ever makes this yeah. weapon again right and then in Godzilla raids again what is their response they go oh looks like there was just another one yeah. And that's it. Like it's like there's not really they just even for yeah, from that first sequel, it's just like you know why you're here. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. The and, franchise quickly pivoted to like Monsters Wrestling. Monsters Wrestling, Monsters Wrestling in Space. There was also yeah. a big because again, uh, our friend Adam will tell tell anyone and definitely tell us a lot of the times, Japan loved Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. So there are a few Godzilla films where there are space apes yeah. as like an antagonist, mm-hmm. especially in the Showa era. You get the King Kong Godzilla films too. Yes, which is a very racist. And just keep that in mind <laughs> if you ever watch that. There is some... There's a lot of there's ah gosh a lot of brown face ah. a lot of yeah a lot of uh oh you are definitely not the race you are portraying in this film. Are we talking like Japanese people painted up mm-hmm. like okay mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. interesting and not just one not just two a lot but like yeah it's like oh let's go to Kong's Island or something <laughs> like that and it's just like oh my god yeah how the fuck <laughs> right right okay fine but yeah to go from that to Shin and just to be like it Shin doesn't shame the past of Godzilla. It doesn't shame, like, oh, this is how you make a real Godzilla film. No, Anno just reminds people that what's great about Godzilla is this is a way you can do Godzilla. You can do the original again in modern era, but also not feel like a cheap ripoff. Yeah. Or just a beat-for-beat remake. You can put enough of a little pizzazz, little spice in there to be like, this is refreshing. This is what I needed. We're so fucking back. Yeah. And that's it. Like, that's that's a great part about Shin Godzilla. And now I'm imagining if Anno had done a kind of Shin homage film, whatever, his interpretation of, like, the direction Godzilla went for the next, like, four oh. or five decades after the original. If, like, if he'd done an interpretation of the fun lizards beating each other up version of Godzilla. 
if I ever met that, that man, that would be fascinating. If I ever met that man in person, that's like the only question I would have for him. Yeah. Even if it was Shin a, Godzilla raids again. Yeah. I was like, it's like, what would you even done if you had like, let's say if three films. Yeah. And I even Shin if, destroy all mods. Even if he said, I don't have an answer, I would just be glad to at least know that the man thought about it at once. Yeah. And was just like, no, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it's, Shin I mean, Ma- Shin Mothra would be terrifying. Oh, Shin Mothra would be fucking rad. Gorgeous though. Shin Shin King Ghidorah though. Mm. Fuck, that would be uh, no. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, if I wanna, thank you. I don't know if I would see that. Pass. Yes, I've already <laughs> seen the American version of King Ghidorah, and that genuinely was like, this is they're treating this thing like a fucking god. I can't imagine if Anno got a hold of this. And right. Just, like, right. Especially where Shin Godzilla ends, but but yeah, Shin Godzilla is a fucking hit when it comes out. It is. I mean, spoiler alert, it's the best of these three films, yeah, at least in my opinion. Yeah, for, for sure. Especially... Uh, quite, you know, a, quite a mile for oh, me. Enjoyability-wise, in terms of also just, you know, versatility, like trying to give to someone to recommend, this is yeah. the easiest of the three. Now, I will say, though, Shin Ultraman, fun fucking time. Yes. That I think we both had a blast. was a blast, and I don't remember how the fuck we got to its ending, but I remember just being like, this <laughs> is wild. I'm having a great time. Yeah. That is a film that is not even trying to pretend that it's anything but a remake of a 60s series. Yeah, and that is kind of the interesting thing about both, uh, about how Anno kind of pivots with Ultraman and Kamen Rider, and maybe it's just the nature of the source material itself, but it doesn't feel like with these other two that he's necessarily like uh, trying to express something new Mm -hmm. using the property and i'm not saying he's he's just you know retreading tired ground or whatever but like you know shin godzilla he takes the mythos of godzilla and the template of a godzilla film and says something about something timely with it yeah ultraman and common writer feel more just kind of like, well, why don't we make these classic things modern? <laughs> like, yeah. why don't we just do it in modern filmmaking terms? Yeah, because at the same time, too, in terms of narrative, like Shin Godzilla's biggest influence is clearly the 1954 film that is just under two hours, yeah. just over. Ultraman came out in 1966, <laughs> ended in 67, the first series, and is 39 episodes. Yeah. 39. 20 to yeah, 30 half minute, hour yeah, block, half hour episodes. block episodes and also i because i wrote this down i thought this would be fun i wrote down how many ultraman shows there have been since <laughs> this film has come since we have seen this since of, as of today how many ultraman shows and how many films ultraman films <laughs> as of next year okay um what's the show count show count is 32 Okay, so almost as many shows as Godzilla has movies. Yes. So I'm like almost all Nutty. the way through. I think there was at one point in the late 80s, early 90s, I think there was a gap. Yeah. And then just boom, boom, boom has not stopped. I think the last show I saw was there was a show, like a live action Ultraman show that should have released this year, but there's no information on it. So okay. I might go push back. Okay. So technically, maybe 31 shows yeah. that have come out. Films. As of next year, which Netflix actually has a Ultraman film coming out next year. It's right. animated. It looks cool. Ultraman I'm, Rising? Yes. Or I'm, Uprising? I'm very excited to see that films that are, like, it seems mainly theatrical released, and they're usually just specials of certain episodes or even finales of Ultraman shows. 44 films. <laughs> 44 films as of next year. <laughs> so 77 pieces of, like... 
full Ultraman media. And would you guess that it is not the worst of these three when it comes to that much content? Right, yeah. I can't wait to get to you with Common Rider. But yeah, like Ultraman is a film that is basically taking 39 episodes of a show that had no idea that it was ever going to be 32 shows. Mm-hmm. Like have 32 separate shows that are tied together in some way, shape, or form to lore and mythos that, no offense to Godzilla, Godzilla doesn't have. And I'm actually glad about that because I don't know if Godzilla really needs that much <laughs> mythos and lore right. in yeah, that I regard. Because yeah. that's a lot of shit. But to go into Ultraman, yeah, we, we went in and immediately in the film, it literally opens with a Shin Godzilla title card and just goes, just kidding, this is Shin Ultraman. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it knows exactly what people are coming in to see. It's Very it's cheeky. All, yeah, it's very well aware that Shin Godzilla was so big, people are going to come in and, and abs- expect, yeah, yeah put those expectations on this. Be disappointed yeah. when they realize it is a schlocky, silly ass film in the 2020s, yeah. and I we loved it. It's a fe- it's so basically <laughs> a feature adaptation of a Saturday morning cartoon because uh, that's what the original Ultraman kind of was. To to show just to have a clip of just to have a clip of Shin Godzilla put side by side by a alien in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah. It just shows the vast difference in terms of execution, in terms of what they want. Yeah. In terms of what, you know, Ano and his uh longtime producer, also the director of this film, don't know off the top of my head. Um, I know you'll figure it out. Yeah. The director, uh Shinji Higuchi. Yes. Uh with, with long time collaborator with Ano. Yeah. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if the reason why it wasn't Ano is because of his work on Ava. Yeah, because he was finishing the, uh, the re... Um, what's the word? Uh, the the rebuilds? Rebuilds, yeah. yeah I almost said rebirths. Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01. Yeah. You are parentheses not and parentheses alone, I believe is the yeah, name. Yeah. Also like with that. a side of sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Extra yeah. large. Love that film, but it's clear that that film's going to take a lot of time to finish. Yeah, I mean, so, it took him, what, over 10 years? Yeah, but he still... He still wrote this film, yes. and my God, this man loves some schlock. It's actually nice to see Anno not – just to watch something that Anno makes and not be a little bit like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, this is, like, this is so schlocky. This is Anno in fanboy mode, just full stop. Um, this and Common Rider both are yes. kind of just Anno in fanboy mode, and that is fun to see because mm-hmm. we're used to – Ava, which is about depression, and Shin Godzilla, which is about disaster and yeah. unknown terror tragedy. and tragedy. <laughs> yeah, just all these horrible, all these things about horrible tragedy. human experiences. And then this is just, what if an alien came and destroyed all of our threats and yeah, learned I, to love us? I won't. I don't. I'm not going to mince words in terms of spoiling Shin Ultraman, but this film literally ends with a universal almost end level ending disaster uh-huh. and Ultraman saves the day by pulling a pocket dimension out of his yes. ass yeah and it's fucking glorious they call to it the shin it. ass dimension yes yeah. uh also known as this is it it's, is it the fifth dimension something like it's yeah, something like probably. that where it's like they found the mathematical equation <laughs> that opens the fifth dimension that's the type of shit this is and i love that they just go full ham and they don't fully I mean, again, would I be against a six dimension? Six dimension. They skip the yeah. fifth. Yeah, fuck the fifth dimension. Six dimensions where it's at anyway. Yeah. But no, just would I would have watched a dark, serious, almost sad, like Ono, Ono kind of like you know, what you expect from Ono yeah. version of Ultraman? Yeah, I would have watched fuck that. Yeah. 
But at the same time, when I watched Ultraman stiffen up in midair and spin so he can give the coolest and dumbest looking upper kick I've ever seen in my yeah. life, I I just I think I turned We kind of roared. I cried and with laughter. <laughs> I was like, this is what I've always wanted. Yeah. Well, it, I think what... You'll never get that with American film, and I love that. Yeah. In, I'm glad that this happens. <laughs> in one way, in exactly one way, I think this film is kind of the pinnacle of what I imagine was kind of Anno's ambition with these movies, which is a merging of higher budget modern technology with the sensibilities of these classic properties yeah and so what you get is like the highest production value version of the camp of this 1960s show oh yeah and it's just it it works really well yeah we we both have to talk about the fact that like clearly this is this has to be no more than 20 million i think that's a generous saying this film was 20 million in a budget uh, it probably is closer to what twelve to fifteen, because like it's uh, pushing it five to six, <laughs> five to six, million. five to six million. Yeah. I have to fucking say, Ultraman's CG looks so good. Yeah, like we talked about it while we were watching it, but like <laughs> they animate Ultraman. It is not a man in a suit like in the classic series. Right. They animate him as if it's the best looking man in the suit you've ever seen. Yeah, to the point where not only that, they make the suit look like a shitty sheen yeah you know, it's, it's got kind suit. of that latexy texture yeah. and it's got folds and stuff in it's it it's so good it looks so good it um, has for five five to six million fucking i like ultraman more now yeah <laughs> just with that idea of that mind um, they got it done because also the monsters look fucking good in that too yeah the monsters get the same kind of treatment where it's like it you're you know you're looking at cgi and yet you look at it and you're like I could see a world where this is just a really nicely mm -hmm. designed suit yes. shot in an interesting way. And that is something I, I was talking about while we were watching it. I, I just couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I loved the look of this film. And to, to a lesser extent, uh, each of the other two in this trilogy, but particularly in this one, just the way... I don't know if it's just some kind of post-processing or the color grading or what, but yeah, all of the, the kaiju sequences, the big scale action, even though they're obvious CGI and it's not as, you know, detailed CGI as like we're used to in, you know, Hollywood blockbusters or whatever, it somehow looks better or at least more interesting. And I think that's just because it's trying so hard to emulate oh, yep. the practical effects that it's yeah. based on. And and Shin Godzilla does that too in a lot of places. There there were scenes where I asked you, I was like, did they use a suit in this scene? And you were like, well, no, they built a suit, but they didn't use it in the movie, like in mm -hmm. the footage. I think, yeah. It was like for reference, mm -hmm. for lighting reference and stuff. And, and yeah, it's just, there are moments like that where it's like, it's so... The, concerned with with recreating its kind of source the visual source of it that yeah. it just it creates a really interesting otherworldly look where it's yeah it's cgi but it looks kind of like more than cgi yeah, yeah it's I, really it, cool it's it's all about design philosophy and it's clear with all three of these films the design philosophy is you have to make the cg especially when it comes to godzilla i mean ultraman common writer regardless of how much CG you need to use, you have to make sure they look like an actual suit 
It has to look like someone is actually in it. Look, you're not trying to CGI. You're not trying to make someone that's not there. You have to make it look like it is a guy on a set. Yeah. Ra- is, yeah. Rather than try and create a realistic version of a hundreds feet tall alien. Yeah. They're creating a CG model of a man in a latex suit pretending to be, a, you know, <laughs> while also of feet tall. putting a hell of a lot of effort into the monsters to make it look as good as possible. Yeah. And then they make the kind of, uh, not necessarily the physics, but like the, the fallout of the fight and the impacts of the fights feel very large scale and realistic and bombastic. Cause you've oh, got yeah. Ultraman throwing monsters through buildings and mountainsides and things. And like all the explosions and rubble looks great and realistic, but it's these CGI doubles of like real people in suits doing it. And it's yes. like, it's just a cool uh, kind of juxtaposition of visual styles. Mm-hmm. There's also the drill monster. I the just drill monster. That's like the first monster, like, isn't it? Yeah, or second, the first one also in fights. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it's the first monster I think he has issues with. Oh, okay. Because it's when that's when they introduce the whole uh, when he's uh, blinking gray or blinking yeah, green. Yeah, he's losing his yeah, energy. When yeah, when he's shining green, he's he's slowly losing his energy. But yeah, there's a monster that is just a giant drill as a head and it looks stupid but also animated incredibly well (laughs) only to find out that that is a that is a natural drill (laughs) and it actually has this wild almost skull crawler ass face yeah i I think you said it kind of looks like an angel from evangelion yeah yeah and it's like damn they put that much effort into this goofy ass drill monster i appreciate Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. i mean it also makes sense as to why when it comes to the rest of the film in terms of story in terms of you know cinematography which is the main human stuff it is probably the weakest of the film obviously where it's like when it's just with the characters like the characters are fun yeah. i enjoy the characters there's the the lead kind of love interest also partner to our lead who's also ultraman yeah uh who is like his his partner's always like i wonder who ultraman is a very lois lane yeah superman kind of situation but she constantly just like, again, to really just like you know shake shake up the idea that this is definitely gonna be like Shin Godzilla. <laughs> she constantly just slaps her own ass to get herself ready and pumped for the next yeah, day. Yeah, that's her her pump up routine. And it doesn't even it's, it's not even shot like if it doesn't even feel that sexual. It no, feel it's, like it's, it's just this is how she excites yeah. herself for the next day. Yeah, just you know just goes on at it, and it is just. Every character, excluding the the head of the space program, because again, the name is different. The name is the same acronym, but it means different things. Yeah, the SSSP. Yes. Because yeah. um, it's now like the, it's like an S level. It's it changes because again, I believe in the original Ultraman, it was like they called themselves like the space program or the space cadets or something. Yeah, like that. and now it's the S class species suppression protocol. S class, I guess, being like giant monsters. I love I love acronyms like that. It's so silly. <laughs> but the lead the boss of the SSSP is the lead from Drive My Car. Yeah. Who's phenomenal in that film and I think does a good job of being kind of the closest to a straight man that the main team has. Yeah. Because everyone else is kind of in goofy mode. It's like literally looking at his serious stout face, like in terms of just like seeing again a like hollow alien in a trench coat that is three feet tall, <laughs> and just seeing him take it with the most serious look impossible. Yeah, is is needed. 
Because I think it adds a little bit of variety to the situations where everyone's acting, overacting. Because, mm-hmm. again, there's a lot of overacting in this film because it's fucking Ultraman. Right. This is not a film, like, <laughs> it seems like everyone was told before coming on, like, every day, like, hey, remember, folks, we're not winning the Japanese Oscar for this one. <laughs> so go for it. Because it's just, yeah, it is It is just fun. It's delightful. It's just batshit at times. When it gets into Ultraman lore that I do not think was anywhere near that original series. Because I don't know for, like, like when they get to the gold Ultraman. Um, yeah, I think. Um, the space and, like, the, the, the society. Yeah. The, the, I know there is some level of Ultraman, the alien, c- communicating with, like, his... Oh, I think his, it's yeah. his native people or, or mm-hmm. group or whatever, and like him telling them, "No, I've learned to love the humans" and that sort of thing. But yeah, we don't get in the original series like an actual like counterpart or or authority figure to Ultraman, yes. mm-hmm. like the like the I can't even remember his name, but the golden black one in this um, mm-hmm. is kind of he kind of shows up and is like, "Hey, quit screwing around." Yeah, because it is good. I'll, I will also say. When it comes to what I've seen of Ultraman, it is the English dub uh-huh. that came out in the 60s. So, like, maybe they kill off the original. Maybe they kill off the hero in the first episode. Oh. And they just, like, redubbed to be like, oh, you hurt your head. Let me help you. <laughs> but in this film, yeah, it's, like, a big thing that is kind of not really addressed a lot. It's talked about a little bit until the very end where it feels like it's a bit more heavy in terms of the relationship between, is it Hayato? Is, is the lead Hayato? Why is my brain thing hide? It doesn't matter. But basically, the lead of Ultraman is part of the SSSP. He shows up at a kind of a ground zero where Ultraman falls. Ultraman accidentally kills our lead, and yeah. then they end up merging to save his life, yeah. leading Ultraman to basically take on his identity. Right. And it becomes this thing of like, oh, my God, is this is this what the original show is like? Where just someone goes... Sorry, you died. Here's an extra life. Like that yeah. kind of. Again, that's something that I'd have to watch 39 episodes <laughs> to, to find out. out. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, ultimately, yeah, with Shit Ultraman of these three, this is definitely the one where it feels like there's a bit of a hurdle in terms of like, you know, oh, you have to kind of be somewhat interested in terms of watching a silly Tokusatsu like, well, not rip off, but like a rebirth where it's just literally trying to look like giant dudes in suits yeah fighting but with cgi but ultimately i think once you get over that hurdle a little bit it is just it's just a fun time like yeah. it was it was worth it it was worth watching i'm ex- i'm excited to give it another watch in the future with other people that i know would like it but yeah it's it's nowhere it's not as good as shin Godzilla. no and it's yeah it's a little bit more uh limited in appeal um, yes. Because it's it's kind of appealing more to the sensibilities of its source material, which mm-hmm. is popular in one part of the world, but there's kind of a reason it never broke over in in yeah. our hemisphere. I mean, um, we, we've definitely got some subbed versions of the most sure. recent seasons, and Jesus Christ, I don't... I am always shocked when I see, like, again, one of the shows I tried watching, the first episode is, like, four or five different Ultramans in suits that are clearly from our old series. Yeah. Like on a council of Ultramans yeah. talking to the new Ultraman, basically. <laughs> and it's like, this is bonkers. Right. Good for people that enjoy it. I'm glad that there's like, like most shows like this that have been on for a while. There are, you know, seasons that people highly recommend for this and that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm glad to go in with not that much 
prior re- knowledge. Like prior knowledge to really enjoy. Just genuinely enjoy it, I think, almost as much as probably a, a true fan does. Yeah. Because all three of these films also do have the sense that Anno wants to make a film that the true that fans will love. Like diehards that have probably been watching these series as long as he had. Yeah. Has, but not to the degree where it negates quality of a film. In terms of like narrative being too confusing or in terms of this yeah. or that. It doesn't feel like this is a film that is trying to just like it's not being like, oh my god, the only thing that matters in this universe is you fans. <laughs> yeah. That's you. Like it, clearly the like Anno's goal is to make a good film at base level and then find out how all the things that nerds would like, you know, freak out about in the theater when seen, uh-huh. how that could play into the story well. And with that in mind, I will say that out of these three films, <laughs> the one that I think we both probably connect with the least, but still had a good time with, is Shin Kamen Rider. Yeah. That one definitely has a bit more you know, difficult hurdles to get over to even just be willing to be like, okay, I'm at a point where I have completely lost <laughs> where this is going, but I'm still just enjoying the fun flashiness of it. It's also, and I don't know, I, I assume this was by design, it's also like the most unapologetic, unapolog- unapologetically direct adaptation It is of yes. its source where it's like, we're not really going to change anything about how these stories are told or the presentation mm-hmm. of them other than the level of violence. Um, yes, that was uh, shocking. It's basically, you know, it, the the American touchstone would be like Power Rangers. This is basically Power Rangers with really violent action. Yeah. Um, and overt melodrama. Um, and it's, yeah, it really feels like this more than the other two. Ano just kind of made another episode of Common Rider, or like made his new his new season he, of Common Rider in a feature film. He basically just smushed an entire season of the show into two hours. Yeah, leads to a breakneck pace for the most part that I think works in the film's favor, especially when it comes to we're going to move to this person now, we're going to move to this new villain now, this this that definitely helps keep it exciting to mm-hmm. a degree. But yeah, to clarify again. The Shin Godzilla, its main inspiration is a 1954 film that is a little under two hours, maybe a bit like in the two hour range. Shin Ultraman's inspiration is definitely the first, mainly the first series of Ultraman, which is 39 episodes. Kamen Rider, Shin Kamen Rider's inspiration is the original Kamen Rider series, which ran from 1971 to 1973 for a total of 98 episodes. (laughs) This is a film that has to take... A, a, just a little bit of, of a 98 episode series and yeah. find a way to turn it into a two hour film that is not incoherent. And it is coherent. It's a coherent yeah, film. It, it's, it's got, it's got, it's, it follows the three, you know, follows the structure well. Yeah. And it just ultimately at the end of the day, there just seems to be a lot more homework tied to common writer than the other two franchises. Yeah. I just, I think there's just a lot more, um, buy-in required yes. to this movie it's kind of like are you already a huge fan of common rider yes okay great then you're yeah. gonna love this no uh okay well you might like this if you like uh mm-hmm. stuff in similar corners of the genre um oh you've like never watched anything like this well fuck you we're gonna keep going and do yeah. this thing and you, it's like you can't, yeah it's... you, you kind of 
if you're not already familiar with it, you kind of have to be willing to jump on board with its level of energy and its pacing and that sort of thing. Even if you're just like a Power Rangers fan and yeah. you're just kind of like, or you were as a kid and you're like, oh, I kind of like that stuff. Maybe Kamen Rider, like Shin Kamen Rider could be up my alley. I think it'd be even just thrown off by how serious it takes itself. Yeah. Because that's the thing about Shin is like, Shin is still silly as fuck. Shin Kamen Rider is still incredibly silly, is aware of how silly it is, but the character's in the world of Shin, it's... Uh, I keep saying that for fucking... They're all fucking Shin. They're all Shin. They're all, but in terms of Kamen Rider going into it, unlike Shin Ultraman, where it's like there's at least one or two serious characters, and then the rest are just like absolute goofballs that know what they're getting into, most of Shin Kamen Rider's characters in their world take everything super seriously. Well, and I think that's... Um... By design, of course. It's by but... design, but I think that feeling of how seriously they take it is compounded by the just breakneck pacing of the film. Because, yes. again, it's doing a 100-episode TV show in two hours. Um, well, maybe less. Is it less than two hours? Um, I think it's... it's just over? It might be. Is it? I thought it was the longest one. It might I th- be. I think it might be just um, a tad over, or at least it's the longest of the three films I it's, thought. Uh, yep, two hours, one minute. Um, so but, yeah, it's, uh, it's really you pushing that two-hour time, and it has to. Because again, before we get even deeper into Shin Kamen Rider, just to let you know, there there are thirty-four Kamen Rider shows total. Okay, but Andy, I want you to just guess how many Kamen Rider films there are, and I will <sighs> clarify that this also includes a lot of these films are specials that kind of tie TV a few episodes films. together. There are even some films that are just you know theatrical versions with bigger budgets uh, of like certain yeah, episodes yeah. and these are like and like these are like the specials that like end shows yeah so like there could be like 75 minute films how many how many fucking films do you think there are of common writer as of 2023 uh 60 71 <laughs> okay. 71 common writer films and on that, top of the tv shows i'm not even that doesn't even count the direct to video releases oh my god that gosh. do not that are like probably their films themselves but they were only released on vhs and dvd yeah common writer is fucking huge yeah i mean so is ultraman so is godzilla but again looking at those numbers going having to get to a point where i had to manually count how many different series <laughs> how many different films have come out of these it was very clear that Regardless of my love for, you know, Godzilla, Kaiju, and, you know, growing up with, you know, the Super Sentai American adaptation, also known as Power Rangers. I can't believe it took me that long to say this on this fucking... But basically with Power Rangers and anything that involves people in colorful suits fighting dudes in monster suits. Yeah. You know, growing up with that as a kid, like, even with all that kind of, you know, let's say quote-unquote research in terms of looking into that stuff... I, at a certain point when we were watching Shin Kamen Rider, my eyes glazed over. Yeah. Because I was kind of just shocked at, like, how much, like, just, like, deep dive into this and that. And apparently, if you're a big Kamen Rider fan, like, I've seen some letterbox reviews that are, like, five out of five. Right. Ono yeah. fucking killed it. This is, like, one of the best things Kamen Rider's had in a while. Yeah. I mean. And it's like, fuck. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad yeah. that they have that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what it is to them what Godzilla, Shin Godzilla is to me. Yeah. I think, <laughs> so I think I this has sense. a similar um, uh, appeal to uh, Shin Godzilla in the sense that diehards, yeah, absolutely over the moon for Shin Kamen Rider. And yeah. I'm happy for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
whereas yeah i think ultraman was maybe a little bit more mixed overall like fans were kind of like yeah it's yeah. good but um whereas godzilla and this were it, like if you like those things this is what you've been waiting for yeah, i think consensus wise we are a bit of a minority in thinking common riders the worst of the three because yeah. i think it goes for most people shin godzilla shin common rider shin ultraman yeah and i think i think if i had to guess that would be because both godzilla and common rider really i mean like they I don't want to say Ultraman doesn't get its source because it does, but like this, these two really get into the meat of like what makes the property special and and unique and weird, you know, we're just less on that wavelength. I will say, yeah, speaking of going right (laughs) into it, like I will give Shin Kamen Rider this. I haven't had a film nearly give me whiplash narratively (laughs) in a long fucking time, like the first 10 to 15 minutes of this film. Yeah, so much. It's gory, it's batshit, it throws you off almost immediately and tells you, hey, this is the main character, this is why he has powers, this is why he's called Common Rider, yeah. this is our first main bad guy, he's a spider, kind of. Yeah. Uh, this is why people will call you this, this is what an AUG is, this organization is called Shocker. It just, an info dump, but in a way that is not boring, it is genuinely like, Oh my God, this is 10 minutes in. Yeah. Why is this happening? But also I'm very curious. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you get all sorts of different uh, bug and animal themed super characters in this. You get spider og, you get wasp or is it hornet og? I think it's hornet og. There's there's butterfly og. Butterfly og, lion og. Is there a lion og? There was like a tiger og or something. Might be tiger. Because I will be honest, if I could be an og, I'd be a lion og. Oh, yeah. I'd love to be oh, that. Uh, mantis chameleon og. That's right. Where they he's have... a hybrid of a praying mantis and a chameleon. You can already tell with when he showed up in my brain, he was like, he's got to show up in like episode in the 30s in the yeah. episode. <laughs> but they've already done like yeah. 80 different like augs. Yeah. Scorpion og. Scorpion. That's right. Um, Another big thing about Shin Kamen Rider is that because the original series is 98 episodes and doesn't have just one Kamen Rider, right. it has two. The film also dedicates some time to basically a Green Ranger-esque Kamen Rider yeah. appearance that ultimately becomes an ally yes. that is also named Kamen Rider. Yeah, we, we start the film with one guy who has just become Kamen Rider, and then over the course of the film, somebody else uh, also picks up the mantle or is, is kind of brought into the mm-hmm. into the fold and then yeah we're left with with a, a shin common writer a new common writer yeah which it's... is also i guess i mean i'm assuming that's kind of how it's done in the original because we were looking it up and the the second ever common writer series is centered around the third common writer yes because the first two like helped him become a common rider <laughs> at the they, end of think, the first season. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a shot of like the third common rider on like an operating table and the other two common riders are like helping put the pieces <laughs> digging together. around him. <laughs> we have to make another. We have to help him. Yeah. He needs to be one of us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and similar to Ultraman, I mean both Andy and I have like we have friends and also maybe we watch similar things. We sometimes get recommendations that tell us <clears throat> Which versions of Common Rider are worth watching? Yeah, I mean, we both have heard Common Rider Black is good. Mm-hmm. That was was that a two thousands? I think twenty ten. I think it is. Yeah. I, I I don't necessarily again. There's there's the two thirty four series. I can't right. remember where that the is. The two um, alternate series of these past two properties we've talked about that stick in my head as apparently worth consuming according to the community is a uh, Ultraman Z 
I've and Common yeah. Rider Black are mm-hmm. good. Like other than the originals, those are good ones to like dip your toes into. Yeah, and I think they're because I think both of them are like a Gundam show length. Like yeah, like their 40s, 40, 50 episodes, which is which is nice. That just I can't. Yeah, one of the weirdest again in terms of these three films. If you want to go back and do homework, like if, if for some reason you are, I'm sure it rewards it. I, I I hope it does. It just is like compared to like Godzilla, where Godzilla is like, it's funny to think about. It's been seventy years and thirty three films. Like honestly, good good that they could even get past the twenty mark in terms mm-hmm. of certainly the quality of some of those Godzilla films in the early years. But it's just fascinating just to think of like, yeah, I could watch Common Rider Black. There's just so much to watch right now, and if I yeah. jump into this. Is this it? Am I just going to watch this and have to be like, I have Common Rider Black knowledge in my bag? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> more useless knowledge. All three of these properties unto themselves, kind of each one more than the last, is like a whole... It's a whole hobby unto itself. I mean, it's like uh, it's like being a Star Wars nerd. Or like me, I in just in the last two years, I've picked up Gundam, and now that takes up like 66% of my brain. I was going to say, I've, I've, like, been, I've been shaking without Gundam content for months because I've been so busy. Yeah. There was even a fucking new Gundam trailer that came out yesterday. Oh, yeah. I lost my mind. Yeah, for the, was, the new CGI movie. Another, yeah, another Universal Century thing. But yeah. hey... It looks fucking. I want it to be cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's. But like, yeah, it's like I, I. There's just so much to these properties. They're so big, even, and there's so many. There's so much community around them that it's like, yeah. In order to take one of these on, would be like, well, I'm gonna put everything else I'm interested in aside. Yeah. And dive yes. into this <laughs> again. Yeah, it's like. It, but even if you think of like taking all the Universal Century Gundam shit, all the alternate reality Gundam shit. You know, Thunderbolts, you know, graphic, like, manga. Yeah. Hell, even if you found a way to look at the fucking pirate Gundam shit. That yeah, isn't Crossbone. Even, yeah, Crossbone. Even if you could find that, I still think that's probably more manageable than fucking watching oh, yeah. most of Kamen Rider. Yeah, well, and I, what I don't know is, is, is are Ultraman and Kamen Rider, are, are all of those, whatever, 70 different pieces, 100 different pieces, are those all directly connected are they connected through a multiverse are they all just separate interpretations i know mm -hmm. some of them are probably sequels to others kind of like godzilla some are tied and some are not i will say because i was curious when i was looking up numbers for movies and stuff common rider i know for a fact does cross over with sometimes with super sentai yeah so they will cross over with you know certain things here and there like the the main common rider it'll be like common rider x insert sentai here yeah and so it's like, yeah, so at least Kamen Rider, maybe that is also like, oh, there's a portal that opens up and there's all these dudes in flashy yeah. costumes. I don't know. But in terms of all three of these, I will have to admit, Kamen Rider is the one I'm least interested in diving into because unfortunately yeah. there's just too much. It's also, um, and you know, you could say it speaks to its influence. There is a ton of stuff like Common Rider in existence. Oh yeah. Not to say that Common Rider isn't, you know, one of the best of the bunch or that sort of thing, but like I feel like just by virtue of growing up in kind of a Power Rangers era, I feel like I've already been inundated with this kind of thing. I, I and just, so there's just a lot of that out there and I don't necessarily need more of that in my life. Yeah, like I know I know way too much about Power Rangers just because I was in the os- just in the osmosis yeah. environment of when you know when I was kind of dying off of my interest as a kid. 
yeah. other shows showing up. Like, and even then, the the things that I know, it's like I just there's nothing to this that I can tell anyone else to do other than like, <laughs> yeah, you can watch it, but like, yeah. As at, at the end of the day, you are literally when it comes to Common Rider again. If you love Common Rider, honestly, good for you. I do. I will say, if I give any of them a try, I will try black at some point. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the one thing we will both try. But like at a certain point of the day, when it comes to Ultraman, when it comes to Common Rider, it is asking people to watch hours upon hours of dudes in suits punching each other. Mo- yeah. Yeah. When they are supposed to be episodic, so like there clearly is going to be some filler episodes thrown yeah, in there. Yeah. I mean, there's literally a Power Rangers episode where they get baked into a big monster pizza. <laughs> so, like, there is yeah. shit. Like, it, it's it's made for kids right. mainly. I would I would assume still. Yeah, I would like, imagine. Because I assume with Common Rider and Ultraman, why they're so iconic is because you know generations grow up, kids in that generation and next generations get to be introduced to that, and then you know cycle continues. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, Godzilla out of these three has the easiest entry point because literally. You can watch the first Godzilla from 1954 yeah. and watch Shin. Yeah. And that's you all you need. You could also, I mean, you wouldn't get, like, the full experience, but, like, you could watch Shin cold. Yeah, like, no, you, you could. could. You, like, it's not like you need anything else. And technically speaking, that's true for the other two here, but I think they just require a lot more, like, willingness to engage yes. in something that you've never you know experienced it, before it, it's really asking the audience to expand <laughs> their, their minds taste and, their palate yeah, to expand the idea of like you are just going to watch something that you have no context for yeah and even when you get context chances are it might not fully help yeah because this is just so silly and over the top and bouncing off the walls every minute that at certain point you're just going to have to get on that bug motorcycle and ride. Yeah, it's about, You're just going to have to keep going. It's about how many times the film can throw some new piece of exposition at you and your responses. Okay. Yeah. Like, how many I, times can you do that? I think at a certain <laughs> point, we got, we got to a certain point in the film. I think it was the lowest point in the film, both pacing-wise in terms of emotionally. A character had just died, so they were getting ready for the big climax. And you, me, and Adam were just talking about random stuff, and you and I were just side-eyeing watching the film mm-hmm. and didn't miss anything no. of any interest because it's like an all like. You're talking about Hornet, the Hornet. No, scene? I'm talking oh. about I'm talking about when the oh. ma- the lead woman. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. turns into a, a scarf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she dies, and then the scarf falls because in this universe, people turn to like little cocoons, and they like turn they go they go white yeah they, and, and then they, they go like dissolve dissolve i bet that's a reference to the original series Probably. which is good again nothing wrong with that i want to no. make it perfectly clear if you like common writer i am not you saying fucking nerd no I, trust me if anyone can has no right to say no. that it's neither one of us i'm glad we're not nerds like the fact, these people yeah. like hideaki ano yes. i'm glad we're not losers <laughs> like him yeah cut to me trying not to send you wait new gundam dropped what do yeah. you think <laughs> Or the fact that last, like, you know, last night, like, Adam pulled me aside and was like, you need to stop making your dinner. Have you seen the Godzilla XCOM trailer? <laughs> and I stopped making my dinner to fucking watch yeah. that. Yeah. So, yes, I'm just saying as a fellow nerd to other, to common Rider nerds, I understand how, like, this, I, I get loving this. I mm-hmm. genuinely do. Tokusatsu shit is awesome. I genuinely love that shit. Yeah. But in terms of, like, my actual, like... How many seasons of this Sentai have I seen, or how many seasons of Common Rider I've seen? 
I think it'll always be very minimal yeah. because I really appreciate the art that goes into it, the silliness and the designs and the narrative that go into it. But in terms of just like day-to-day life, mm-hmm. I ain't watching that shit when other yeah. stuff's coming out. Yeah. I just need other – there's literally other stuff that is coming out as we're talking about this that I will probably pique my interest a little bit more right. to that. And so at a certain point when we're watching Shin Kamen Rider, it's just like – I am having a good time, but like, will I rewatch this again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one yeah. of those things. Uh, I mean, and then Andy's but thinking, he... hypothetically speaking, if this was a Blu-ray, would have Logan <coughs> regretted buying this on Blu-ray? Because <laughs> he shamed me because I bought. Well, the last like three episodes of this podcast, you've bought the entire trilogy no, on I'm, hard disc. I want to clarify, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! I want to clarify. I've always wanted to watch more Sergio Leone. Yeah. So I was gonna buy as much as I could of that. I bought none of VHS. I rented. <laughs> I actually watched on Peacock as best as I could and then had to Are rent. You, you didn't buy to. the Best Buy exclusive steel book of the VHS Let trilogy? Let me put it this way. I spent a dollar on viral, and I feel like I wasted a dollar. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah. But yeah, with this, I was just like, I've always wanted Shin Godzilla. Again, I would love to own all... Similar to like the Universal Century Gundam stuff, I'd love to own all of Godzilla. Yeah. But due to the Hesai and Millennium Era being in a weird distribution kind of purgatory, where like if you look up anything on like Blu-rays of Godzilla of those eras, it is like in the two hundreds. Yeah. Because they're just like out of print currently. I hope that means that Criterion's trying to make another dope ass like <laughs> release of them. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I understand, like, again, I can watch Shin Kamen Rider and be like, I get why there are people that have been watching this since the 70s. Yeah. Or have been like, you know, the people that are constantly saying, watch Kamen Rider Black, you know. Again, as Star Wars fan, as a Gundam fan, as, you know, fucking this and that. I mean, I understand that. But at the same time, when it comes to these three films and the question, are these good entry points to these franchises? I would say Shin Godzilla, absolutely yes. Yeah. Ultraman, yes. Common Rider, yes and no. <laughs> I think it's uh, it genuinely. We is... can certainly say that if you watch Shin Common Rider, you will find out if you are a fan absolutely. of Common Rider. It was um, yeah. Because was... I, I could see a world where somebody would just be you know predisposed towards this stuff and end up loving Shin Common Rider and then yeah. going down the rabbit hole again. Um, just wasn't us. Yeah, Adam had Adam voluntarily stayed for a good chunk of Shin yeah. Common Rider, and again, a man who has seen. The shittiest of Godzilla films <laughs> sent out of Common Rider and went, This is fucking stupid. I have no interest in this. And then watch most of it. Yeah, so it just <laughs> it just it just depends on just like how willing are you to just let the film take you and you just I guess in a sense turn off your brain yeah. if you want to do that. Like Well, and I think also all three of these have broad uh themes of humanity and helping helping your fellow man and and that sort of thing and they're all very they get very kind of uh i don't necessarily want to say heady but melodramatic and philosophical oh um, in their in their musings about humanity and that kind of thing um certainly appeals to me like i and i noticed that a lot in in japanese media more than american or western media which is tends to be a lot more cynical or where it's um, oh yeah where it's themes and things under thicker clothing or whatever um mm-hmm. and and something i kind of appreciate about these three properties or at least these three films is how they're just these outspoken kind of 
in one way or another, love letters to to humanity and yeah. community and that sort of thing. Yeah, because Shin's base. I mean, God, I fucking did it again. <laughs> Shin. I was talking about Godzilla. So Shin Godzilla, yeah, Shin Godzilla, at a certain point, is about like an almost like a cultural na- national acceptance yeah. of like a tragedy and understanding that like they cannot erase it or change what happens. So they ultimately just have to live with it for as long as they can. Or until they find a solution to it. Yeah. Well, as Ultraman is about community, because if it's not for the community that comes together to figure out how to open the sixth dimension, <laughs> they ultimately wouldn't live. Yeah. And then, like, Shin Kamen Rider is, like, about sacrifice, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Because ultimately, by the end of it, you have a solution in terms of, like, will Kamen Rider live on? And the answer is, I mean, yes and no. Yeah. They find a way a to make Kamen it work. Rider will a Kamen Rider will. But, yeah, ultimately... It is. It shows that, like, thankfully, especially with trilogies, you can kind of see, you know, filmmakers, especially if it's the same filmmaker attached to each film one way or the other, you can almost sometimes see maybe, like, a loss of passion there. I don't see that with these films. No, if anything, I see kind of a more yes. uh, uh, unbridled ability to embrace the thing he loves about yeah. each of these properties. Shin Kamen Rider feels like the meme of the woman that gets cornered in a party where the yeah. drunk guy is talking to about certain things. Yeah. It has that energy where, like, it feels like if you sat down Anno and asked him a Kamen Rider question, he'd know it. Yeah. And he would talk your ear off about it. Yeah. Whereas with Ultraman, you feel like he could do that as well. While as with Godzilla, he'd have a suit on and talk about it the most eloquent way possible. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Kamen Rider definitely feels like his biggest guilty pleasure of the three of these in terms of the amount of knowledge and, and how much he loves love it. that pours out of the movie. Which show again, for someone that has no idea what, you know, is a reference to which series or how much is taken from the show, you can feel that love and passion immediately. Yeah. It's there. It's just at a certain point, how much is that is worthwhile for multiple rewatches <laughs> in the future? There's a, even if you know nothing about Common Rider, there's a very strong sense in that film that, what you are watching is a very loving and faithful recreation of yes. something that a yeah. lot of people care about. Oh um, God. Yeah. It's, it just feels like it's dripping with not fan service in a bad way, but like just that kind of nostalgic no, it's, recreation. It's like a, it's a vulnerability you get out of something like a home movie or like yeah, someone making yeah. like a home video and showing their parents. It's like he's literally just making yeah. Common Rider for everything he loves. I'm, I will say it's not like home video quality. Like no. Shin Common Rider looks good. Yeah. It looks good. Although it's a it fun does, time. I think by design, look the most budget of these three. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Um, but that's not because for... it's emulating a very low budget genre. But not for one budget that Common Rider definitely doesn't have, and that's Squid Budget. Squid budget. Oh yeah. my god, the buckets of blood that come out of nowhere yeah. in random fights. It's great. It works really well. And it's yeah. not overly graphic. It's just silly graphic enough. Yeah. I mean just imagine if the Power Rangers were punching normal people and and their super powered punches were caving people's chests in. And That's kind of what he's doing the <laughs> yes, whole movie. God. When you say it out loud, it makes Shin Cone Rider sound awesome. And it is awesome in concept. It really is it just... Is, when it's also... It's awesome out the gate because we were oh both like, God. whoa, look, this yeah. is all cool. It just kind of, you know, for it, us, kind of ran out of steam as it, it was going. It literally rips out of a fucking tunnel into yeah. film. It just go, comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I understand why people would enjoy this more than Ultraman because I think with Shin Ultraman, it is, it is the awkward median, the bridge between... 
the super serious you don't have to know anything about this property to enjoy this film but it would be nice because you'll understand historical context the bridge that leads into if you don't know anything yeah well it really just mileage may vary <laughs> but this is going to be a rip roar in time yeah and shin ultraman is that bridge that yeah. ultimately has both i mm. think in a certain degree but yeah I mean that's that's Hideaki Anno Shin trilogy. Like it yeah. is, it's a fun time overall. Yeah, and it, I, it's also a, an interesting, a unique example of something that I can't say I've seen in any from any like American filmmaker or really anyone else where it's just, and you know, an acclaimed filmmaker in a certain genre or field getting to getting carte blanche to play around in three of his favorite properties in succession basically getting like manageable budgets yeah like imagine if not that this is realistic or that he'd even want it but like imagine if you know say tarantino or somebody got to make a spider-man film a batman film and a star wars film like it's just that level of yeah do whatever you want we we respect you as a filmmaker and he loves the property so he's just gonna make the most loving letter to these properties ever it's funny that you bring up tarantino because there there is an alternate reality where he got his star trek yeah that's true that would have been interesting to see if he but even then i don't even think he would have he would have changed it i think just enough that i think fans would have been like turned off by yeah plus with this i think ano ano is able to pull back creatively when it matters most in terms of the lores of these franchises able able to basically not throw in daddy issue trauma (laughs) yeah right (laughs) like from ava or like the you know the iconography like the holy kind of religious iconography is not a huge part it is a part of ultraman at the very end like the the, (laughs) yeah at the the, the, yeah christ imagery yeah the christ imagery at the very end in both the common writer a little bit Uh i think but even then it's like it's not as uh, much of a proponent as like in shin godzilla no there's literally a whole orchestrated moment of watching basically look like a god (laughs) taking its toll on fucking Japan. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, yeah, it shows how Ano, even though he doesn't have, besides these three films, doesn't have much live-action yeah. history, he does incredibly well with, with handling those and is able to, I think, have other people help him in that space compared to, like, you know, he'd be a fucking master in animation, but clearly has really strong people around him helping him figure out what, he would like to do here and there. I do want to know if his decision to do, I wonder if it's his decision if he did laptop cameras for Shin Godzilla and for Shin <laughs> yeah. Ultraman. Because if he took a shot for every time you see a laptop camera used yeah. in one of those films, you'd be dead by halfway through Ultraman. Right. Which I love those shots. In my opinion, I love that shit. That's yeah. great. It looked good too. It just yeah, was always, it? it was always funny how like, it was almost like they were trying to make you like, oh, remember, this is a part of a laptop because there'd be a lot of shots where you'd watch the camera get shut into black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they want to remind you that it's a laptop camera as right. if I forgot. Yeah. But yeah, that's the Shin Trilogy. Thank mm-hmm. fucking God we got that out. <laughs> yeah, finally. It's it's taking a sweet ass time, but we finally got that out because, you know, we're excited for the next trilogy. Or at least I am. <laughs> I, I don't know if we've talked about it since I brought it up, but... Uh, when we did the VHS trilogy, we were kind of we didn't announce initially that it was the Shin trilogy we're doing next. Yeah. By the time this comes out, we have already told everybody that's what we're doing. But we have yet to talk about what we want our next trilogy to be. Because after Shin, 
we have one more trilogy and then we'll go right into our end of the year kind of best films of 2023 yeah. special. And before that, we decided, you know, last year, well, I guess technically this year because the Santa Claus stuff didn't come out till January. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, last year and with Santa Claus's, we we had this feeling that there wasn't a trilogy probably that was odd enough that we could probably bring back the Christmas season again. Maybe there was. We didn't know. And then my brain, whether it was whether Andy would consider it a smart idea or not, realized that in the span of what four like the forty years between the original film and like now, um, a classic Christmas film that everyone has at least watched a few times every year, thanks to TBS. Yeah, there are three sequels tied to said film. Yeah, so. In honor of Christmas, in honor of the holiday season, being jolly and possibly shooting your eyes out, depending on what Christmas gift you get, we are going to be tackling a Christmas Story sequel trilogy. Yes, and I can almost guarantee you don't know about at least one of these. Oh my God, yeah. Because again, I had to remind myself. Like the re- one, the reason why I brought it up to you is because I had to remind myself two <laughs> or three times. Yeah. Because I was like, "This is. There's no way this is a thing," and it is. So in case you don't know, yeah, we have three sequels to A Christmas Story, that including 1994's My Summer Story. Yes, if you've seen that, that is a Christmas Story sequel. <laughs> and then we go right to 2012 with A Christmas Story 2. Yes. And then we go another decade after that, and we go right into 2022's A Christmas Story Christmas. Which, that was a direct-to-streaming film, it was, right? an H- it was originally an HBO Max yeah. original, now a Max original. Yes. So just, when you think about the film, and when you close your eyes and you think, forget about the purple hue, remember blue. That's Max now. <laughs> okay. yeah. Forget the <laughs> but, purple hue, remember. But yes, so we are taking a film that is most people's sometimes favorite Christmas film, others, you know, well, the most, you know, begrudgingly, you know, I gotta fucking watch this because it's on TV. <laughs> You know, iconic is an American film. We are tackling the three sequels clearly no one has seen. Yeah. <laughs> or if you have, you have not seen at least all three of these. Yeah. Which, guess what? I don't think either one of us have seen any of these I films. I have not seen any. Yeah. yeah. I think my mom and my dad watched A Christmas Story Christmas and enjoyed it. Okay. I think I think I had knew some people who liked it. And so is, hopefully, and, uh, Ralphie came back for that one. Is he in the in two? No. Okay, I didn't think so. No, that's again that's because I remember a Christmas Story Christmas being like touted as like the return of this guy. Yeah, no, it's because I think he. I don't know if he also directed it because he is a director. Oh, uh, okay, Peter Billingsley yeah. is also a director, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's only one of these films that has the original <laughs> Ralphie back in it, as well as a bunch of other original characters. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, gosh, when is this episode going to so come that out? that would be, uh, I mean, if two weeks from now, that would be the 23rd. Ooh. Right before Christmas. Perfect timing. Um, and so, then probably early January, get into our end of year stuff. Yeah, I think I think probably January, is sixth? it 6th? I think 6th yeah. would make sense. Celebrate the insurrection with a <laughs> end of year special. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Let me take a moment of silence to just <laughs> remind myself of that. Is a thing that is in our American. I, We're going to cover a trilogy of insurrections God, on that episode. I, I got to say, living through history sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. just, I mean, that was a while ago, but still, reminding myself that that happened, that yeah. sucks. 
But yeah, before we talk about that, uh, before we get to January, <laughs> tune in on the 23rd and we yes. discuss a Christmas story sequel trilogy. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>